0: and for Jerusalem eventually Babylon came in and took them captive and we see these things the book of second Kings covers about 300 years of Israel's history it tells us about the fall of God's people and if you look and if you were to draw a line and say what direction is second Kings going in all it goes is downward. that's how it goes for Israel and they look bad enough after 1st Kings You see the things that had taken place and where they were at, but from there it just gets even worse as we see here in the scriptures. And as you look at Samuel and Kings, the overall thing I want you to understand is this. God brought the Israelites out of Egypt, brought them to the promised land, and Joshua was their leader that took them in, right? To the promised land. And Joshua led them there to be A witness of how a nation should be. And instead of being a witness and being an example of what a nation should be, Israel turned into all those other nations that were in Canaan. All the idolatry, the children's sacrifice, the worship of idols, all the things God did not want for his children. And that God had set up under Joshua where all the things now that the children of Israel were actually doing in their lives. And God's people rejected God. And the story ends in 2 Kings with Judah in exile. And some even flee back to Egypt. And that was the original place of their capture. And he'll bring them back. The book starts with the prophet Elijah. And he was translated as one of two people in the Bible that did not die. Elijah is one, and then the other one is? Elisha. Enoch. Enoch. Enoch's the other one. And uh, always, I have my opinions. One of my opinions is that those two witnesses in Revelation have to be those two, because they didn't die. Some people say it's got to be Moses and Elijah, and we'll just figure that out when the time comes, and that's all okay. I'm not going to stake anything on it. But we see that Elisha takes up the mantle. And that's something important that we need to remember. And Elisha, he asked for a double portion of Elijah's spirit. And as the video showed us, we see seven miracles that took place in the life of Elijah. And we see 14 in the life of Elisha. And we see the importance and we see the key. And we see how important it is to reach that next generation. You know, I think it's a wonderful thing that Elijah trained Elisha. And we we got to remember something. We've got to train that next generation. It's so important. We look in our church and say, why do we have a Christian school? Why do we have a youth department? Why do we have all those things? Because the kids that are kids today, are in a few years, they're going to be the adults. And then before too long, we'll all be off the scene, and they'll be having kids, and they'll be the ones that are running things around here. <laughs> but it's our job to teach them and to train them the things of God so that your grandkids can know the God of heaven. It's important. And we can talk more in that area, but I think you understand what I'm saying. We see, and I want you to go with me to 2 Kings chapter number 10. You're like, where are you going to get to the Bible? Of course. We're getting there right now. My whole goal in doing this series of going through every book of the Bible is so that you will take time and study the Word of God Or Let's say this upcoming year, I believe it would be a great thing for the people of God to take the Word of God and read it every day. And maybe even read through the whole Bible in a year. Or you say, Pastor, that's just too much for me. Read through one book in a year. Take the book of Genesis next year. Read the book of Genesis. Take the outline I gave you when we did Genesis. And follow that along as you read through. And it could be a help to you as you study. And that would be a great thing to start somewhere. The goal of these things is not so you just get a bunch of information and do nothing with it. And so you can say to show yourself approved unto God and be a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So you look at in Kings chapter 10, look down at verse number 32. In those days the Lord began to cut Israel short, and Hazael smote them in all the coasts of Israel. We see, because of what Israel was doing, God, shut, God made their days short, He shortened their days. Because they weren't following him, the things that were taking place. And God, if you think about it, this book covers about 300 years. For the most part, you see wickedness after wickedness after wickedness. Wicked king after wicked king after wicked king. We'll talk more about that in just a couple of minutes. I'm going to give you a brief outline for the book. If you've got your notes there, you want know, to write down a few things. Number one, if we're going to talk about the outline here, we see the history of Israel and Judah until the fall of Samaria. Now remember, Samaria is the capital of Israel, right? The northern tribes. So from chapter 1 through 17, this is the history of them. We see kings rising up and things happening. And the Assyrians conquered the north and took them into captivity. And God's people in the northern tribes were persecuted and scattered around 721 B.C. Assyria thinks they can conquer the south as well, but it wasn't God's timing for that to happen. And so the first 17 chapters of 2 Kings deal with the history of Israel and Judah until the fall of Samaria. And then, number 2, we really in Second 2 Kings, this is a pretty simple outline here, the history of Judah until the fall of Jerusalem. That's chapter 18 through 25. It was about 135 years later that Jerusalem fell and that Judah fell to Babylon. You'd think maybe Judah would have seen what had happened to Israel, maybe would have learned from it, but they didn't learn from it. When we see these things, how you say, how did this happen? How do you go from the blessings of God, how do you go from thriving as a kingdom to being taken away in exile, and being taken captive? I'm glad you asked, how did it all happen? Go to 2 Kings chapter 17. <laughs> 2 Kings chapter 17. <laughs> And look at verse number six second Kings chapter 17 verse number six the Bible says here in the ninth year of Hosea the king of Assyria took Samaria and carried Israel away into Assyria and placed them in, in Hala and in harbor by the river of Gozan and in the cities of the Medes for so it was that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God which had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of pharaoh king of egypt and had feared other gods and walked in statutes of the heathen whom the lord cast out from before the children of israel and of the kings of israel which they had made and the children of israel did secretly those things which were not right against the lord their god and they built them high towers, high places in the cities from the tower of the watchmen to the fence cities and they set up images and groves in every high hill and under every green tree and there they burnt incense in all the high places, and did as did the heathen whom the Lord carried out before them, and wrought wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger. And they served the idols, whereof the Lord had said unto them, Ye shall not do this thing. Yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah by all the prophets and by all the seers, saying, Turn ye from your evil ways. And keep my commandments and my statutes according to all the law which I have commanded your fathers and which I sent to you by my servants the prophets. Notwithstanding, they would not hear, but hardened their necks like to the neck of their fathers, and did not believe in the Lord their God. And they rejected his statutes and his covenants that he had made with their fathers, and his testimonies which he testified against them, and they followed vanity and became vain. And went after the heathen that were round about them, concerning whom the Lord had charged them, that they should not do like them. And they left all the commandments of the Lord their God, and made them molten images, even, look at this, two calves. Two calves. And made a grove, and worshipped all the host of heaven, and served Baal. And they caused their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire. And used divinations and enchantments. And sold them to do evil in the sight of the Lord. To provoke him to anger. (coughs) This is why Israel was taken captive. That's why they were put in exile. Because God saw what was going on. God God even sent them prophets. Sent them seers and said here. To warn them about what was going on. Hey, you need to stop doing this. It's not how it's supposed to be. You're supposed to follow my book. Follow my commandments. And Israel did their own thing. And we see there at the end, there in verse number 17, they caused their sons and daughters to pass through the fire. Wickedness, divinations, and enchantments. Things that God's people should never have a part of. And we see, you we say, well, how did all this happen? Well, it starts, number one, with wrong worship. Wrong worship. Verse 7 tells us here that they feared other gods, little G. They were sacrificing children to their little gods. As wicked as you can imagine, that's what God's people were doing. The exact same thing that the Canaanites were doing when God was driving them out. Why did God want Israel to drive all of them out? So that they wouldn't influence Israel. Correct? Yeah. That's Why? That's why who you hang around matters. Israel never got rid of Canaan like they were supposed to. Who you let influence you matters. You might say, oh, I'm going to influence them. How do you do for Israel? They're worshiping the same things that the Canaanites were. Wrong worship. Let me just remind you tonight, there's only one who deserves to worship and praise in our lives. Jesus Christ. It's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Should be nothing in our lives that we worship or put before the Lord. We see how they get to this place in their lives? was wrong worship. Number two it was carnal living. See that in verse number eight and nine right here, as we just read. They didn't walk, they walked in the statutes of the heathen. They didn't follow God. They cast the Lord out from before the children of Israel and the kings of Israel, which they had made. They did secret things that they, should, that they knew wasn't right in God's eyes. And let me just remind you of something. What is done in secret will eventually come out because be sure your sin will find you out. And there are no secrets with God. You know, sometimes we live our lives with the things that we do where we're worried, oh, is the pastor going to see me or is so-and-so going to see me? God sees you. Amen. He's the one who matters. Yeah. And they were living like the heathen. And God's people should live differently. There should be a difference. You should live a holy lifestyle. Yes. And I could go on and on about that. So we're going to keep on going. We see there was carnal living. Number three, we see godless thinking on their part. They burned incense in the high places. They did all the things that the heathen would do. This is what led them to the place where they were. And you see the wrong worship, the carnal living, the godless thinking led to the rebellious hearts. The rebellious hearts didn't begin when all these other steps came to place. When you get hard and stiff-necked towards God and the things of God, you never start there. There are little things that get you to that place. And we see that with the children of Israel right here. They made two golden calves. Come on, don't, didn't they hear the stories? Of their ancestors that had made a golden calf, and what God thought about that, and yet they still did this thing in God's eyes. And number four would be the rebellious hearts. I so thought that wasn't up there. <clears throat> like man, Israel was corrupt. How sad. How do you how do you get how do you deal with that? How do you you know? You look at our society. You look at our world today. There's corruption all around us. But let me remind you of something as a child of God tonight. Corruption around us doesn't have to lead us to captivity. That's the truth tonight. I'll say that again. Corruption around us doesn't have to lead to captivity in us. In the the midst of what was going on in Israel, there's there's a reminder that even if you're living in the middle of corruption, it doesn't have to lead to captivity for you, your family, or your generation. You see, God was going to punish Judah. Why don't you go with me in chapter 21. Let you see some verses in chapter 21. Chapter 21, verse number 1. And Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign, and reigned 50 and 5 years in Jerusalem. And it says, verse two, and he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord after the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. For he built up again the high places which Hezekiah and his father had destroyed, and he reared up altars for Baal, and made a grove as did Ahab king of Israel, and worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served them. Go down to verse number nineteen. Verse nineteen. Says an Ammon was twenty and two years old when he began to reign, and he reigned two years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Meshulameth, something like that. Meshulameth, Meshulameth, that sounds good right there. I didn't in my Greek and Hebrew, I didn't pass on the first time. So it there. Like did you hear that guy in the video? He says, I just say we're That's how it looks in English to me. Uh, paul i already said it there like, you say however you want I'll say however i want you see it right there what it is and uh oh yeah there's more there the daughter of herus of Joppa, Joppa, yeah. and he did that which was evil in the sight of the lord as his father manasseh did and he walked in the way that his father walked in and served the idols that his father served and worshiped them and he forsook the Lord God of his fathers and walked on the way of the Lord. And the servants of Ammon conspired against him and slew the king in his own house. And the people of the land slew all of them that conspired against the King Ammon. And the people of the land made Josiah his son king in his stead. Look at chapter twenty-two, verse number one. It says, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned thirty and one years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jedediah. And uh, verse number two. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the ways of David his father and turned not aside to the left hand, I mean to the right hand, or to the left. You see, he might have had a very wicked grandpa and a wicked dad, but he could still do what was right. Yeah. We see that. We see God raised Josiah, and we see he repairs God's house. He got back to the word of God, and they tore down the false idols, and all of these things took place. But something else you got to remember, just because a people start doing right for a little bit of time, God still punishes. He still chases. And God made a promise to Manasseh what was going to take place. I actually made the promise to Hezekiah if you want to be technical about it. And Hezekiah made some bad choices. Hezekiah was a great king. Probably. He would look at him as a great Christian man. He made some dumb choices, which all of us do. But God ended up letting him live out the rest of his life. And he passed on those things to the next generation. Or if Hezekiah would have done what was right, I wonder if he could have passed on better to the next generation. Instead, Hezekiah gave to the book of his son Nassau, his son Ammon. But you see, Josiah. He followed and did what was right. As we finish up tonight, I want you to go with me to 2 Kings 25, the last chapter here. <coughs> and we heard this on that video there, verse 27 through verse number 30. And it came to pass in the seventh and 30th year of the captivity. Of Jehoiachin, king of Judah, in the twelfth month of the seventh and twentieth day of the month, that evil, yeah, Merodach, king of Babylon, in the year that he began to reign, did lift up the head of Jehoiachin, king of Judah, out of prison. And he spake kindly to him, and set his throne above the throne of the kings that were with him in Babylon and changed his prison garments and he did eat bread continually before him all the days of his life and his allowance was a continual allowance given him of the king a daily rate for every day all the days of his life and what we see is we see hope the Lord is always hope in every situation as bad as it might seem but God we see that right before our eyes here. there was hope as we read through the Old Testament as we go book by book through here we see these different things (laughs) there's a basic storyline taking place God calls a people for his own they rebel against him he judges them in exile. But then he chooses to love them and forgive them and bring them back and restore his people and keep working and keep working. You see that throughout the Bible. The Book of Judges is a great example of that. Remember, there was a cycle that would happen. You would have Israel get away from God and God would judge God would send um, they would be doing the things opposite of what God would have them do, and he would send in someone to take them captive. They'd be in bondage for whatever amount of time. God would send a judge that would work them out. They would lead a prosperous, blessed life. When the judge would die, they would do the same thing all over again. It was a constant cycle that would happen. What you see over and over again is just that cycle of bigger scope of things. And God works in the midst of it. And with the Lord, there's always hope. And what a God who serves the God gives hope to his people even when they are completely spent, wasted, and disregarded. But he still brings them hope. So that's who our Savior is and who our God is today. So next week, we're going, we'll start the first Chronicles. We're going to have Brother Ryan next week get up here and read the first seven chapters. All those names together. <laughs> <laughs> show us how they're supposed to and uh, that will be a blessing right there. <laughs> but tonight, as you see before us tonight, we have the Lord's Supper in a few minutes. We're going to tape, and we do this at the end of our service. Every other month is when we do it. Last month it was supposed to be, and we had our harvest festival, so it's time to do it right now. One of the things that we do before we get to that time in our service, the Lord's given us two ordinances in the church, two things that we do and that represent what he did (laughs) on his baptism.